0: Welcome to Chick Chat with Unapologetically Karen, the podcast for women by women. I'm Karen Webb, architect, author, entrepreneur, creative junkie, and your host. Chick Chat is your resource for building your big, bold, and beautiful feminine life. So join me for some eye opening and jaw dropping dialogue that has people talking. Welcome back, everybody, to Chick Chat, the podcast for women, by women. We are here today, and I'm so excited to have Gabby Sundra. She is a relationship coach with a master's degree in education, counseling and guidance, and 25 years of coaching and teaching experience. But it really is her own, as she calls it, messy to magical marriage that allows her relationship guidance to be spot on. Her innovative methods at ForBetter.Love are fiercely forward-focused, gently shifting any negativity into concrete action steps. She's a whiz at supporting couples in not just digging themselves out of a relationship ditch, but cultivating a couple culture of aiming for awesome. I love that. Welcome, Gabby.
1: Hi, Karen, and everyone listening. Thanks so much for having me today. Hi out there to all the chicks. Yes.
0: Um, And and, and anyone else who happens
1: to be listening. But yeah, we're we're the ladies talking to the ladies.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Pretty much. It's it's a group of chicks. (laughs) It's a nice sisterhood. Um, So I want to I've been all over your website, everything. I'm very intrigued by what you do. And I'm really intrigued at how all this got started. So share with us all, if you could, what started you on this path to really helping you know, people in relationships?
1: Well, in my bio, you mentioned the messy to magical. And that is really how it was and why I got into doing relationship education. I don't like to call it work because if you're investing in intimacy a little bit over time, spread out over time, then it actually becomes more of a habit. It even can become play. So I call it relationship education rather than relationship work, right? I want to leave the work behind and bring play to it. But early on, my relationship was a lot of work and it was so much work and so messy that people told us at our engagement party, they pulled us aside and said, I don't think you should do this. It looks really messy to me. (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay. I read that on your bio or uh, on your website and I was like trying to imagine that happening and thinking, did you not just get the biggest stomach ache ever when <laughs> somebody, and it was a person you were close to, I imagine, right? A friend or. Absolutely. Oh and
1: they pulled us both aside and this was at the party, right?
0: Oh my gosh. Okay. And
1: went to a separate area and we thought that he was going to give us a gift. And really he did, right? It really was a gift because from the outside it really was messy what they couldn't see was that our intuition was this is really right but we had so much to work out uh, we had a lot of masculine feminine power struggle dynamics to work out you know our wounds from our childhood you know he had a wound from his childhood that they his father passed when he was 12 and they never grieved they just coped so he spent his whole adult life unconsciously grieving trying to get comforted Whereas on right. my end, I grew up with nine aunts, most of which married poorly and referred to men as dead weight. Oh, so, gosh. <laughs> so my attitude was, get up, you ain't hurt. You call that a problem? Mm-hmm. So he's looking oh, to be my. comforted and I'm looking for a rock <laughs> right? that doesn't yes. need anything emotionally from me ever or anything from me ever, wow. right? Could just give and yes. give and give and be my rock. Neither one of those were very healthy. And the day that he started to get emotional and I said, honey, come here, just put your head in my lap. And I stroked his hair and I said, tell me what's wrong. Overnight, the outburst stopped. Almost overnight. Really? Fundamentally, what we really had to do was give up blaming each other and really embrace that the things that were bothering us in our relationship were so upsetting because they were so familiar because they were from our childhood. Now it's not one hundred percent of the time. It's only like ninety eight point nine 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 percent.
0: Yeah, not not much at all. <laughs> not much but at let all. Let me let me break some of that down for a second, if I could. So first of all, what did that friend see? Like you know, usually only the two people in the relationship know what's going on in that relationship. But clearly that friend um, that gave you this great gift of telling you, whoa, (laughs) it's not looking good, Um, what did that person see? Did they see like a volatility, fighting? What did did it look like before?
1: Yeah, I referred to us as that couple, you know, rather than the it couple, (laughs) like instead of what is it about that couple? It was like, are you sure you want to invite that couple? (laughs) Oh boy, yeah. So imagine like that particular friend, he had had a birthday party that had 200 people come. And there was only one guest room and we were staying in it. And uh, yet somehow my, my husband, he got overwhelmed and you know, I'm an extreme extrovert. He's much more introverted. And we got into it and he left the party and went running up the street and I went running after him.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, the drama. <laughs> Yes. And
1: mind you, I was 36 when we met and he was 39, almost 40. (sighs) So this is not like in our teens or 20s.
0: No, not at all. We had done personal
1: development training. In fact, this friend, he could be so authentic and honest with us because we had done personal development work with him before. We had done year-long workshops and training so that we had a background of relatedness that, that didn't just allow for that kind of authenticity, but it invited it. And in fact, when my husband and I did get married, we didn't say our wedding vows to each other. We actually promised, said our wedding vows simultaneously and it promised them to our guests. And at the mm-hmm. end we asked them and we said, these are our touchstones that we want to come back to. I said something like we want to be held to come back to and held to again and again. And we asked people to physically stand for us after they heard our vows, if they were willing to call us up, not call us out, but to call us up. So we had a culture and I think that's really healthy. This whole wink, wink, you don't, you don't, you know, I won't ask you about yours and you don't ask me about mine. You know, as they say, it takes a, a village to raise a child. You know, it takes a village to have a healthy marriage. Right. Right. And you want to be careful who you surround yourself with. But we definitely had to um, win some people over. The day of the wedding, (laughs) my father, (laughs) we're in the side room, I'm all dressed and ready to go. And he says, you know, there's a side door, you don't have to do this. (laughs) And he was kind of half joking, half not joking. But I knew my body. Thank goodness for intuition. And that I had learned to trust my intuition because my body is way smarter than my mind, as smart as I may be. And my gut told me that the other guys I had dated, I felt butterflies and even nauseous. And I thought that was love. That was, that was great. And with Raj, mm-hmm. I felt, I described it as getting into a warm bath with a cold glass of nice Chardonnay. It was just oh, like
0: fabulous. <laughs> ah, fabulous I really. <laughs> that is so interesting. Now, I I am a huge believer that intuition is where all of our wisdom lies and it is in our body, not in our mind, which can confuse things, can overthink things, can have the chattering monkeys. How did you go about having that before then? Because most people, I think um, it takes something to happen to them to then realize I need to be more in touch with my intuition. How did you get in touch with your intuition before really meeting uh, your husband?
1: You know, my grandmother used to give me all sorts of these pearls of wisdom as I was growing up. You know, things like do good in the world, or and one of the things she used to say to me is choose, don't be chosen. Mm-hmm. And I later, both is one of my favorite words, and I said I want to be because there were times I chose someone and I wasn't chosen, right? And so right. I came up as I want to choose and be chosen, and that's what it felt like with Raj is that my body would say ah oh, i so needed that and my and i don't even mean chemistry i just mean the relaxation the ability to be mm-hmm. myself i could be smart and powerful because i had a boyfriend that was like you're so strong you're just like your mom i was like what's wrong with yeah, a strong oof. woman <laughs> uh, yeah yeah <laughs> and so it took it took a while for me to Not lean too heavily on that strong woman of this, like, yeah, I'm a badass. What are you going to do about it? Huh? (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of women that are like that. So yes. And sometimes it's that work, you know, woman in you that continues and it takes over everything. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And we feel like we have to do that. You know, every strength is a weakness and every weakness is a strength. It's a matter of, are you yielding your power or is a habit overwhelming you and compelling you to behave a certain way like i'm an optimist i used to have a website called pessimist beware optimism with attitude and i just i'm a practical (laughs) person and all the science says optimism is healthy for you and you're gonna have a much better life if you look for the for the good and so i've always been quite practical about those things and i brought that practicality to relationship of looking for the good of trusting my gut when my body said yes the actual words that would come into my mind over and over and over again were "You've got to be effing kidding me!" But I wouldn't say effing. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Seriously, I'm going to choose this. This is really the path that I'm 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 consciously choosing."
0: <laughs> okay, and wait, why why would you think that? Because it wasn't what you had. It was before, so messy.
1: It was so messy. It was so messy. I was mm-hmm. um, I was, you know, he- heavily in my career as you had mentioned. I had a very strong outgoing personality. I had since the day I was born, uh, and I was really looking. What sign are you? I'm when a Gemini. Is your birthday? was Okay, six, six. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Okay. It's interesting. So I I'd was love to looking. Go ahead.
1: For, I was looking for definitely a partner. I had been with a man for eight years from my high, from sixteen until like twenty five or seventeen to twenty five, and I really was an accessory to his life. The foot food I cooked, the clothes I wore, the music I played. And so I'm so grateful that I didn't get married then because we were going to get married when I was 24. And a lot of my friends that did get married at that age, they've all, are all either divorced or on their second marriages now, almost all of them. And so when I waited until it felt right, till it felt right in my body, but didn't, my head would have said, don't do this. But my body, right. my body was, I, I, my mind was smart enough to trust my body. There's a quote, the mind makes an excellent servant and a terrible master.
0: <laughs> that's a great quote. That's fantastic. It is very, very true. Right. Wow. That's a good one. So the mind's very helpful
1: okay. and I love it and it's exciting and helpful but it shouldn't make those big, important decisions. I have a ver- friend who's a very successful businessman and he says he does all his due diligence and he does all the research and he looks all of the data and then he throws it out and he makes a choice freely just from what he- his intuition is really telling him to do. Because it might say, everything is right. You should go this way. Marry this guy. Invest in that business.
0: No right? If your gut says, don't do it. Absolutely. Do that's it. exactly how I make. I make the same. That's exactly my kind of technique to make decisions. I just kind of have to do the research, but then step back and just go, what's my heart or my stomach? For me, it's all in my stomach. What's my stomach saying about it? So and is my chest constricting or feeling comfortable? Well, you say yeah. your
1: stomach and that's, that's a hundred percent accurate. Technically speaking, there's something called the vagus nerve. I think it's V-A-G-A-S. Maybe yes, US, right and I it's all it's around your stomach mm-hmm. and, and then it goes up and all around your brain if I'm getting this loosely correct. okay neuros- yeah. no I, think, I don't know,
0: but I know of the nerve I don't know where it is. but yeah. so okay. when they
1: say trust your gut, that's literally what they're talking about is this vagus nerve that we can physically even feel that tells us whether and and I love that you said you know a tightness because am I contracting or am mm-hmm. I softening? And with Raj, as I said, getting in that bath, it was like, ah, and I was softening. That yes. was not a snap. We definitely had work to do, which is how I
0: got into doing this work. Well, there I am calling yes, it so work. Yes, now, so now we got there. <laughs> let's let's dive into your work because yes. it is pretty spectacular. Okay, go ahead. Yes, so
1: my husband and I, we did get married despite the engagement party advice, But we took the advice and we said, we really want to focus on this and identify what is it the things that are tripping us up over and over again, and then what is underneath those things that are tripping us up over and over again. So there was some looking to do, but we also were really conscious that we didn't want to what I call problem pathologize or dissect dramas, that so much, almost all of relationship work out there is work because you're blaming shaming complaining maybe you've got a referee with a therapist or something of that nature but it's all pretty problem focused and I don't want to sweep things under the rug and then strip over them but I help couples get out of a ditch if because most people don't take action till they're in a ditch but the reality right, is as, as quickly as possible we want to be focusing on my favorite question is what do you want what do you want What do you want? And then how can you have the two of you come together honoring your individual wants and desires and needs, see how they overlap, and then focus on where they overlap and say, we might might not both have respectful, compassionate communication 100% of the time right now, but we both want that. So what would happen if we focused every 90 days we had goals for, how can we be more of what we both say we want? And then 30 days off. So I've had this cycle for a decade with my husband and about seven years, almost yeah, a little more with clients of helping them honor what they want and be uh, allies and playmates towards getting more and more of what you want rather than the adversaries of f- blaming, shaming, complaining and fighting about who's to blame for right. the things you don't want.
0: Right. And I I did see on your website too, which I agree with this fully, the whole notion of being right is just a wrong approach.
1: It's the booby prize. Great. You're right.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Leads us nowhere.
1: And now you haven't spoken to each other in three days. Now, that's not to say you're a doormat and you acquiesce and all of that all the time. Um, What I'm talking about is building a mutual respect and habits. We have a lot of it for better love, we have a lot of tools. The, the two core categories of tools, one is that vision, right? Have your vision and play a 90-day game three times a year to keep truing up to it. 90 days on, 30 days off, 90 days on, 30 days off. We particularly focus on um, three months is about play in the summertime. How do we bring play to sex? How do we bring play to money? How do we bring play to communication? Then in the wintertime, it's the season of peace, right? And how do we bring peace to money, communication, all those areas. And then the beginning of the year is the season of passion. And how do we bring passion to all of those areas? You could create your own themes, but I strongly encourage you out there, stop focusing on what you don't want and start getting on the same page about what you do want. The whole, we need to talk is like fingernails on the chalkboard, right?
0: Oh God! Everybody feels that way. Yes, just what those if, words make you cringe.
1: Right? Yeah, yep. I see you're, you're you know this is a podcast. People can't see you, but I see you are kind of cringing a little bit there, right? Uh,
0: yes, yeah. absolutely. And, but yes. if somebody
1: said, "Hey, Karen, you want to play a game?" You're gonna be like, "What's the game?" Well, what if we right, had the best right. communication we ever had? What if we had the best sex we've ever had? What if we, um, you know, bought our dream home? What if we, you know, that kind of energy brings play. It brings partnership. So that's one that. one okay. side of the tools. The other side of the tools are short, memorable things you can do in real time that are fun, that are playful, that pull you out of the blame and the adversarial dynamic and bring you into a playmate dynamic that we're in it together as partners to resolve this. It's us against the conflict, not us against each other.
0: That's true. I think that's great. Because you're right. I think what happens, especially when life gets busy or complicated or stressful, which it can and does, um, you feel like you're on opposite teams. And then you are right. You're just attacking each other as opposed to being on the same team against the conflict. I like that. Yeah. And if you have kids, it's even harder. I just came
1: from spending two weeks at my best friend's um, place in Asheville, as I mentioned to you earlier, and the, they have two kids, and an eight-year-old and a 12-year-old. I can see the impact on the, their relationship, and I've had someone ask me before, how do you help a couple get through uh, an affair? And I said, affairs are easy. It's having a six-year-old and a three-year-old. That's
0: hard. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think both of those are hard. Yeah, <laughs> but well they're both yes. hard, but
1: it's a hell of a yeah. lot easier because the affair is often, not always, but often something to get past, right, and mm-hmm. build trust mm-hmm. again. Whereas with kids, right. it's a never-ending, constant um, demand on your energy and your time. You have very little
0: time yes. for yourself,
1: very little time for your relationship. Um, your kids don't
0: appreciate what you do. I know, right? <laughs> no, it's it's absolutely <laughs> your brains aren't designed not for that. Yeah, it's a thankless job, but but the most important job, but still, yeah, very yeah. tough.
1: So I give a lot so, of praise to parents and, and, and let them know that that's the number one thing I let couples know when they're struggling is it's actually not you, it's actually not your beloved, and it's not your relationship. Way too many couples toss the relationship just when the transformation is getting good. Now, does that mean people should stay in abusive relationships? Absolutely not. (laughs) not saying that. But the majority of the time, people leave when there's a lot that can still be done and not just be done to save it, but to actually have you be better as individuals
0: and as a couple. I see. Right. Now, I loved, um, and I want to jump into this other topic that you have because it intrigues me. So I'm assuming (laughs) the chicks listening to our chat um, would be intrigued as well. Uh I love I first of all, I love the notion that you've got the play, peace, passion, and proactive. Those are like the things that you those are really the things you should nurture, it sounds like. Um and how do you you had something called um how to keep well you share it with us. How to keep the fights <laughs> clean and the sex dirty. <laughs> That's the one. Okay. So everything about that intrigues me. Um, Let's chat about that. How does a couple, because I will say, I think some couples, I mean, obviously they're the couples that are in a crisis mode and they're not doing well and they're not communicating and they're not, et cetera, all of those issues and there's fighting. But then there are other couples, I think, and I think a huge uh, percentage land in this one, which is it's okay, you know there's no fighting, there's really no, you know, issue, but there isn't a sense of play or great sex. And, and those, in my opinion, are critical to that relationship, really being everything. Um, so, you know, you don't want a roommate, you want that romantic lover. So tell us about this, then. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, I like to say fine is a slippery slope to effed up.
0: Oh, God, that's good. <laughs> I you might know, have to use people, that if that's How okay. What
1: are you <laughs> are your husband doing? They're like, we're fine. fine. Oh, That's a big red flag for me. Fine is not good.
0: Yes. <laughs> no, not it's not good. living. And my goal, you got to be living with gusto, with like passion, with all of that. Yeah. So fine is, those aren't in that. Yeah. What's that George Bernard Shaw quote? Something like, you know, life is no br- brief candle
1: to me right? And you want to live this life to its fullest. And what is better than love? Like I challenge anybody who's ever been in love to show me something better, right? It's certainly, it's like front of the hand, back of the hand, like life and death. You don't get to love without getting to hurt. I actually knew someone recently who was falling in love quickly, and they started to put the brakes on it, and I asked them why. And they said, I just don't want to get hurt again. And I Mm, said, well you can bubbly wrap your heart all you want, but you don't get to love and not get hurt. It's because yes. you care so much that you can get hurt. So unless you're going to stop true. loving, don't try to not get hurt. And, and love is so precious. I believe we should enjoy it as much as possible. Certainly not be you know foolish, but to actually
0: allow ourselves yes. to be moved. And and, he, and that is natural to human beings. We're meant to to love and be loved. I mean, that is, you know, we're not the exact same as some animals, you know, or um, and we definitely needed that. And even more so now, I think, as everybody feels more disassociated and lonely and all of those things.
1: And mainly so, it's the only part of us that lives on after us is the love and memories of us from our beloveds. That's how we live on when we're
0: gone. Uh, That's part of our legacy. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's,
1: it's the, it's the, one of the only things that are endless, right? Someone may go and pass and you still are going to love them. The love lives on. Right. Yes. So fights, clean, sex, Mm -hmm. dirty. When Raj and I got married, A couple that had uh, been, we asked several couples as we were walking around the tables what their secret was to marriage. (laughs) One couple had been together 30 years and they said, the only reason, I I said, what what has kept you together all these years? And they said, we both didn't want to get divorced at the same time. (laughs) (laughs)
0: So first of all, what do they mean by that?
1: (laughs) Well, because marriage is hard and I'm shocked with how quickly I lose my mind. I could, you know, when I had a a long distance job for a while and I was driving to go see Raj, I hadn't seen him in two weeks. I was like, oh, I miss him. I miss him. I was home eight minutes and I was like, I'm sleeping in the guest room.
0: (laughs) I no, Okay. So you're saying they both not... They weren't aligned when they each wanted that divorce. Correct. I get it. Right.
1: Okay. If they had both yes. wanted a divorce at the same time, they would have gotten a divorce.
0: But one wow. person
1: wanted it and the other was standing for working it out. And then the other person wanted it
0: and the other person was standing for working it out. I see. Out, right. Well, thank yes, that's interesting. And okay. I
1: let people know that because I again I want them to know this is difficult. It's hard enough being one person, you know, talk to your single friends and being alone. And then, you know, your emotions, your overwhelm, your stressors, your physical health, lack of sleep, all these things. And then you bring another person into the loop and that can get quite complicated quite fast.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. We yes, asked can. another mm-hmm. couple
1: and they said, keep the fights clean and the sex dirty. And we just started laughing and we thought that yeah, was the it's... best advice because yes. people are, um, often vanilla or don't give a lot of attention to their sex life. And Mm -hmm. it gets very easy for it to get predictable and rote until it's infrequent, until it's very, very rare.
0: Yes, that's true. So (laughs) many people do that, unfortunately. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they're really dirty and
1: nasty when it comes to the arguments.
0: So if you flip
1: that and you clean up your fights... And you dirty up your sex a little, and of course, I mean mm-hmm. dirty in the best way possible. It's like the nice kind of naughty. <laughs> naughty. Yes, yes, nice. yes
0: it's The very, dirty. the
1: very best kind. <laughs> the yes. very best kind of dirty, uh, and to keep bringing that to your relationship. So, all of the I mentioned the short, fun, practical tips that we have. All of those tips, dozens and dozens of them, are divided into first how to keep the fights clean, and how to keep the sex dirty. And then even um, more refined into when to use them. So before a fight or before sex, as a fight starts or as sex starts for seduction, in the heat of it or afterwards. Because you don't want to use, for example, a tool for after a fight in the heat of a fight. They don't work.
0: <laughs> I see. Wow, that's interesting. Okay. So yeah, I do believe that I think a lot of people, the, the fighting gets ugly. You know, they, they call each other names. They, I've never been... An advocate of that, my relationship with my husband—we might argue, but it is very gentle. It is we can have really angry feelings, but you have limits. We don't say things. We have limits. We don't say something that you are going to regret, and uh, and definitely name calling is out. But that's were interesting. Were you always but, that
1: way, or did you develop that skill?
0: Um, I was always that you way. You always that way. I was always See, that way. My husband and I, yeah, for the first yeah.
1: three years of our marriage, it didn't happen often. But we would, you know, get pushed to the edge every, you know, a couple times a year and, you know, name calling and swearing Mm -hmm. would come out. And then we just decided that's too hard for our nervous systems. And we, in a relationship, you really need to build trust. And so we said, let's take those things off the table. So we know when we're in an argument that that's not happening. And we went a decade without swearing at each other. And then COVID hit and not even a month into COVID. (laughs)
0: Well, I blame COVID for that. <laughs> and I
1: yelled at him. F oh you. my. And he yelled yeah. back, F you, F you, F you, F you. It was like he had a decade of them and he needed to get all out. It was like I rapid mean, fire.
0: <laughs> and we both laughed. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. That's fantastic though. Uh yeah. So um, so one thought for keeping the fights clean would be to place some boundaries. I think you're right, because it is it's scary when you get into a fight. I think the scary part is you don't know how far it will go. I think that's where the biggest worry is. Um, If you know that, you know, for example, with my husband and I, uh, I know that it would take something major for either of us to ever leave this. It really would. And, and I know that because we've both been through this. This is not, this was not our first marriage, um, each of us. And, there's just a sense that it can be a big thing that we're arguing about, but there's a sense of peace or certainty that keeps you grounded. So that's why you don't name call because you're not going to walk out on this. You would never want to harm your
1: person, right? You're building that trust. And again, it comes back to that. It's us against the issue, not us against each other.
0: Yes. And then, so that's a great example. And now an example for how to keep the sex dirty. Yes. Yes. Because I'm sure that everybody's going, come on, Karen, ask that. I know you guys are.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I started keeping the fights clean because if you don't keep the fights clean, it's
0: really hard to get to the sex part. Right? Right. Yeah. You don't even want to touch each other. Yeah. If
1: someone (laughs) has yelled at you and called you names, not exactly a turn on. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) And I I read this once, somebody referred to, I don't know where I read this, but they referred to, Um, and of course generalization, but, um, men are like a light switch and women are like a a boiling pot of water. So, and this is very true for me that it takes a while for me to heat up, whether that's sexually or for an argument, right? I'm not going to lose my shit, you know, at the first sign of conflict. Um, and you know, my husband doesn't just say, Hey, you want to get it on? And I'm like, ready to go. Right. I need need Mm -hmm, some stuff mm -hmm. to kind of work up to it. And then once I'm angry or once I'm horny. It's hard to get me <laughs> to go down, right? Once I'm angry yeah. or when right, 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 So right. it's that boiling pot. Right. You can't just take it off the heat and expect the water to go cold.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, So makes there's definitely, sense. Yeah.
1: So let's get to a tip on keeping the sex dirty. So one example for this is seven years into being married, you know, the, the cliche of the seven-year itch.
0: Yes, right. And mm-hmm. because my
1: husband and I had a habit of creating goals every 90 days, 90 days on, 30 days off, three times a year, that 30 days off, by the way, you had mentioned the fourth P, the proactive. That's that's that. So it's play, proactive period, peace, proactive period, passion, proactive period. Oh, okay. I see. Okay. So we were in a season of passion and we said, what's our goal? And we said, well, let's have our goal be to have the best sex we've ever had. We're seven years in. So let's have an itch for what we want to have an itch for. And so we had this amazing time working on having the best working on wow. having the best okay. sex we've ever had. <laughs> And it was so great we said we should have this be a goal every 90 days so that we're never gonna look back and say, oh, remember the sex we used to have? Now we've been together almost 20 years now. And so Congratulations. Thank you. Wow.
0: Yeah. You proved it, you proved that friend at the engagement party wrong (laughs) with some work, but you did. Good job. We sure did. We sure did. Yeah.
1: I just saw that friend uh, just just last last week. Yeah, oh, they, they very funny. much joke yeah. about it and acknowledge it now. Uh, yeah, yeah, oh, that's great. So um, we set out to have that, and we the way we got to do that, and and now do it every ninety days. Now twenty years in, not quite twenty years, but almost twenty years in, almost two decades in. They're. Um, the, it's not how often we have sex. We're very physical with each other all the time. We don't have, have intercourse as often as we used to. Um, we do have it regularly, but we, mm-hmm. we do have it. It's way better than it ever was. We just want to make sure that sex mm-hmm. keeps getting better and better and better that we don't get predictable. We don't get cliche. Right. We make a point of trying new things, even if neither one of us are like, well, let's see what that's like. I don't know. And it could be small things, Right. Right, right. Uh, And so to do that, to how are we going to have the best sex we've ever had? Of course, the most important thing is communication, right? Mm -hmm. Communication. Yes. We're uh, embarrassed or ashamed or we don't want to hurt their feelings or we're afraid what they're going to think of us if we tell them what what we want and all this. So communication has to be easy and regular. So we came up with a game called the Romp Recap.
0: I love alliteration, (laughs) so you
1: can remember them. (laughs) The romp recap. The romp recap. So this is for after sex, obviously. It's not for immediately after sex. That's the post-orgasmic chill. You want to soak in as much of that yummy energy. Don't start criticizing or critiquing at
0: that point. Yeah, that's not good. Yeah, Yeah. The afterglow. Just enjoy the afterglow. Enjoy your afterglow.
1: But within one hour after having sex to 24 hours, so it wants to be really recent, Mm -hmm. but not too recent. Have a conversation and you want to score the experience, not the other person, but the experience in three areas. And you can come up with your own areas, but the three we use are intimacy, how connected did we feel, sexiness, how hot was it, and Mm -hmm. technique, what were the details of what was
0: was great.
1: Now, yeah. Okay. In basketball, my husband, he's a soccer guy. And so he didn't know basketball, didn't know what a triple double was. And I was like, so if we get a 10 in all three of those areas, that's a triple double, that's triple double sexy time. <laughs> and he's like, what's triple double awesome.
0: sexy time. <laughs> and that's those of right. you who don't know yeah.
1: basketball, if you score 10 points, you have 10 rebounds and 10 assists, it's a big deal. And, um, they call it a triple double. So we started playing for these triple doubles, not with pressure, but just having this communication. I might say something like, you know, the intimacy was really strong between us. I give it like an eight. The only thing that would make it stronger, you know, at that point of, of ejaculation, you closed your eyes and that's totally great. But sometimes I'd love it if we could just make eye contact during that time. I think that would even build right, okay. a greater level of intimacy. Huh. Right. Right. Or yes, yeah, that's wonderful. Sexiness, okay. you know. I loved it when you surprised me, and we all of a sudden changed positions. Um, That kind of spontaneity was a total turn on for me. Right, that was right, really right. hot. Yeah. You know, I love the element yes. of surprise. Right. I even nice. have a name for okay. it. I tell my yeah. husband I call it "pussy confusion."
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh my! Okay, <laughs> in, in my
1: brain is going. Because what conf- is happening? <laughs>
0: Oh my goodness. That's great. I like that. Oh my gosh. You said the chicks are um, gonna wanna know. <laughs> yeah, they are gonna wanna know. Yeah. If 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 I don't ask, if we don't share that part that part, they'd be like, What happened in this podcast? So fantastic. Okay. Yeah, we'll just make sure we put explicit on the uh Yeah, and I have a the, blog on the description. Yeah,
1: I have a blog and a quick tip video clip specifically on that tip and many others as well, so that they can be bite-sized. I I usually like to put things into a a, a little image, a graphic that you can save on your phone or your screensaver, or even you know oh, a, nice. a three-minute, five-minute video, so that you can save the bookmark. And if you're having a conflict, for example, I'll share one of my favorite favorite tools right now is called the OCC. Uh, okay. You look like you're about my age. So you might remember, um, naughty by nature's song, you down with OPP. Yeah, you know me. Yes. Yes. So I like to put the tips to songs and things like that. So I can remember them. So you down with OCC, oh, okay. yeah, you know me <laughs> and OCC <laughs> stands for ownership, compassion, and creativity. So the game is with my husband within five minutes of any conflict, big or small, his quote unquote fault or my quote unquote fault. That both of us will do an OCC where we take ownership of our what we are contributing to the situation. We'll express compassion for our beloved's experience, and then we'll Mm -hmm. give at least one creative suggestion on how we might move forward or do better next time. Right?
0: Wow, that's nice. Yeah,
1: very. And if you do that as a habit, that's why we do it, whether it's small or big, because you want to use these tools when you don't need them so desperately, so that when you do need them desperately, it's a habit because. Your relationship happiness is determined by your relationship habits. Do you talk about taxes before you go to sleep? Do <laughs> you put the kids before your relationship 100% of the time? You know, these are the kind of habits. Like my husband and I, we have this um uh, our meetings, our marriage meetings, even a relationship mm-hmm. report card at the end of the year, but weekly, monthly, quarterly, we're not purists, but we have these habits of things that we do that allow us to be more flirtatious and fun and take us out of that functional roommate, handle life together stuff.
0: Right? Yes. Okay. And I, yeah. And that I think is really key to a lot because I think especially, especially nowadays and with the stress and people are feeling stressed with inflation, and everything else, probably more than normal. Um, it's hard for people to click over to the fun, sexy, flirty stuff. Yeah. But if, and i firmly believe. And, and it's only been in, in my relationship with uh, Jeff, with my husband, um, compared to all others. This is the only one where that flirtiness was there from the beginning and has is still there. You know, he walks by, we've got this, our, our bathroom is big, but the area where some of my makeup and stuff is that I sometimes stand in front of. It's kind of narrow, but he has to scoot by. But if there's no ass grab there, I am not happy. I'm kind of like, is nothing wrong? Karen,
1: I love that you said that. I've told you how long I've been with my husband. There is not a single
0: day that goes by in our relationship
1: that I don't talk about his butt. How often you really? call it an ass grab, which it's just so funny. I say an yeah. ass grab goes a long way. is you know, Yes. A little ass grab does. goes a very long way. He was, a, great. he was a semi-pro soccer player and a national level cross-country skier. So he's been an athlete all his life. And you imagine cross-country, mm-hmm. you get quite a butt. I mean, he's got a brown butt. Oh, yeah, I'm butt, sure. Right? yes, yes. He's yes, 56 yes. and in prime shape, this guy. And his butt <laughs> is so amazing. We have this joke. I'll say to him, have I ever told you what a great ass you have? And he'll say, why, yes, yes, you have. And then I'll say, do you ever get tired of hearing it? And he'll say, why, no, no, I
0: don't. <laughs> Exactly. Right. Oh, that's great. That's great. But I think it is, I think that playfulness and that uh, coupled with just the touch that you're constantly yeah. touching and, and in a way that other people aren't going to touch you like that. Yes. It's, you know, unless, you know, it's your girlfriend slapping you on the butt for a minute, like, I don't know, <laughs> as part of the joke, but basically that's reserved for your intimate relationship. So it, it keeps you, I think, in, in some level of intimacy so then it's not such a leap yes. to start, you know, sex, yeah. I call mm-hmm. I call
1: that mastering mini-seductions. And for anyone who's mm. ever been to the parking lot at the Seattle airport, the parking lot, it's very windy. So if you're parked on the top floor, you almost get dizzy going down. You just go round oh, yeah. and round I and round. I, I tell people, don't have your on-ramp to sexy time. Be this long, windy road. Yes. <laughs> no, do you want a very short, I call it the on-ramp to intimacy, right?
0: And so yes, all of that okay.
1: cuddling and, but by the way, it's, you mentioned touch, the importance of touch, but it is important to remember that everybody is different. I, I did a masterclass called, That's true. um, uh, it's like the healthy habits of introvert, ext- extrovert couples. And then another one on be delighted by your differences. So for example, if you look at people have probably heard about your love language and for some people yes. touch is their number one, Right.
0: That's my husband's, I know for sure. Yes, yes. and my, mm-hmm. hus- my husband yeah.
1: as well. Now, for many people, though, touches their, can be their lowest, right? And so those are usually, yes. people are either, um, the term is engulfed or uh, abandoned, right? And so in my mm-hmm. case, mm-hmm. I grew up feeling abandonment issues. My dad, My mom and dad divorced when I was six. So I had the abandonment issues. My hmm. husband had an older brother who was really dominating. And so he had engulfment issues of like, I just want to be left alone. Just leave me alone. Yes. Um, I had okay. another couple I worked with that his, he was the only child and his mother was very overbearing, always making him hug him and kiss him and all this stuff. And so he very much needs a lot of physical space. space. So yes, I touch see. is very important for a lot of people and even most people, but it's, also really important to identify how are you and your beloved different and not just how Mm -hmm. are you different Mm -hmm. but how are those synergistic not just compromise yes but the chocolate and peanut butter that your differences are even better like I'm a gist person like yeah let's get it done and my husband is Mm -hmm. it has to be perfect if mm-hmm. it was up to me, it would be done. It would be good, but it's not as great as it could be. And if my husband right. did it, it would be perfect, but it would take forever and the whole audience would be gone by then. Together, <laughs> we get something right, that is right. done and it's done really well. He's working that on a brochure sense. for his I business like consulting right now and he's about to send it out. Um, and I, Well, I wanted to send it out and he's like, no, it's got to be perfect. So we work on those things yeah, it wasn't together. Ready yet. Yes. Embrace yeah. your differences. Interesting. Yeah.
0: I like that. Um, now, what do you think about with, with couples that you work with a lot? It sounds like, what do you think about, we talk a lot on the show about feminine and masculine energies and when they work, when they don't. And, and, and it sounds to me like you had a lot of masculine energy when you started in the relationship. So share a little bit of that and how, you know, cause I, I know there are some women that will say to me, I I'm just not feminine and, and I don't care. I don't need to be, et cetera. But How do you see it all manifesting when it comes to relationships?
1: Well, I can totally relate to that. (laughs) There was about 20 years or 30 years, I didn't wear pink. I didn't wear ruffles. I didn't wear lace. (laughs) I wore glasses. I'm wearing them now, but I wore glasses even when I didn't need to. It was like, I want to be taken seriously. Mm, Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I had a very different uh, experience. What I didn't realize was that I was locked out of my natural feminine side that I was mm-hmm. so challenged by wanting to be successful in my masculine side, I thought that the masculine side was better and that something about the feminine side was controlled or, you know, I'm I'm a rebel. Yeah, weak. Like, yeah. Yes. Exactly. Like don't yeah. tell me what to do. Like pink is for right. whips.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right yep that's so absolutely that's what everybody (laughs) feels yes Mm -hmm.
1: and my husband was uh, much more on the feminine side in that he was very emotional and I was very much like get up you ain't hurt and so (laughs) (laughs) but the intuition was strong that there was something there for us and I had heard about imago therapy which is the idea that you choose your beloved as an amalgam, as a sum total of all of the strength and weaknesses of those who had authority over you when you were a young child.
0: So the good Wait, and Say the that bad. again. Say that mm-hmm. again. How do you do that? Say that again. Sure. So
1: you choose your partner <laughs> based okay. on someone who's reminding you of both the good and the bad
0: uh, of any of
1: those people wow. that had authority over you when you were a child. So it could whoever was raising you, your grandparents, wow. your older siblings, your parents, any of those people. Most for most of us, it's our parents, but it doesn't have to be your parents, right?
0: And so, yeah, you, ju- you just said that, and my entire past just like clicked into <laughs> piece into the right, you know, spot. That that's oh, that amazing because you're absolutely right. I mean, I always knew, yeah, you know, girls tend to find someone like their father, etc. But mm-hmm. how you just said that in terms of the positive traits, but also the negative, because you're used to those. That's interesting. No, yeah. it gets even okay, go better <laughs> because
1: let's say yeah. they're perfect for opening up your unhealed wounds, most often they do not have the skills for helping you heal them, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're being a victim about it and you're being unconscious about it, it's like, look what they're doing to me, right? Right. As opposed to saying, I'm so upset about this. This has got to be familiar. This is not the first time I felt this. Let me really Mm -hmm. look at where is Mm -hmm. this coming from? Right. And so if you right. look at, well, one, what are my childhood wounds? And there's a great book called getting the love you want. It's like from the seventies and it has exercises okay. in the back on, on one of them is on identifying your childhood wounds, which can be really helpful. Like in doing that, I identified one day I went to school and I was rushing so much and I wore, I went to Catholic school and I had a uniform on, I was in first grade and I ran with my skirt and didn't put on any underwear. And my oh. sister was wearing pants that day <laughs> and had underwear on and she wouldn't give me her underwear.
0: Oh my goodness. And then yeah. uh, me
1: being the playful kid I am, I went out to recess, was like, I guess I'm just going to deal with no underwear, forgot about it, spun on the swing and had everyone <laughs> see that I wasn't wearing any underwear. So I got oh, made fun no. of forever for no panties.
0: Yeah, that's a bad, that's
1: a bad one. Yeah. And while I was being made fun of, my sister didn't stick up for me right so mm. i had this wound from my childhood if somebody if somebody said something that i felt slighted by and i didn't get stuck up for by my partner i'd be very upset right
0: interesting so but yes, if i took yes, responsibility yes.
1: that that's my wound not your fault as a person right
0: mm-hmm, and mm-hmm, then i took
1: yeah. responsibility to say not just what my wound was but what i needed to heal it and then to teach my beloved those skills to to heal that wound for me. But the wild thing is, is yes. the skills that they are deficient in, if you want to use a word um, right. like mm-hmm. that, those, those skills, when they develop those, they actually become a more whole integrated person. So this example with my wow. husband, when his father died suddenly when he was 12 and everyone just coped and no one grieved. So he spent his whole adult life trying to be comforted, um, mm-hmm. it, grieving mm-hmm. because he wanted someone to comfort him. Now right, I grew right. up with, with nine aunts, most of it, which married poorly and many of them referred to men as dead weight. So if my husband was mm. upset or emotional, I was like, seriously, this is not a problem. Get up. You ain't hurt. <laughs> right. And yes, he would just yes. feel more shut down and then get more emotional. Right. The first right. day that I said to him, you know, I was in a course and they said, you know, you're relating to your husband, like father, child, get up. You ain't hurt. What if you just tried something mm. different and just tried relating to him for a moment as mother child or playmate sibling or admired admirer mm. right? These are all from a personal development course I took. And so I said, I'm just going to try mother child, right? So I sat down and I said, honey, put your head in my lap. And I stroked his hair and I said, tell me what's wrong. Overnight, the outburst stopped. Not only that, his whole voice changed. He used to talk way up in his nose and really stressed and a lot of anxiety. Really? And now it's this like deep, sexy, you know, wow. lower voice that's in his <laughs> is in his like diaphragm. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> but oh, the crazy amazing. thing when
1: he grew like that is people started saying to me, Gabby, you're so much softer. You're so much uh, softer. And I was like, I didn't realize what a hard ass I was. And certainly I want to keep mm-hmm. my bad ass for when I need her. I'm not going to, exactly. you know bastardized the badass that I developed all that time. She's important and I need her, but I was locked out of my natural, nurturing, caring,
0: compassionate,
1: Mm. empathetic side.
0: Wow. And Mm -hmm. and so
1: he stepped, I would say, you know, that he stepped into his manhood and I stepped into my, we helped each other to do that, but he corrected me and said, those were, were always there. It's our wounds from our childhood that had us develop coping strategies that pr- pushed those characteristics away, so it's more of a reintegration of what's already naturally there than like there's something you're missing that a skill you need to develop.
0: I see that's interesting. Yeah, because sometimes people feel like yeah I'm I'm not feminine or I'm or you know a man is is not as masculine as you'd like and you think that is just who they are. You're right, but it it's who they are, but because of some childhood trauma or something. Interesting.
1: Yeah. So when you did become
0: softer, right. And so when you did become softer and more in your feminine energy, um, does it always happen that way that the man then is able to move into his masculine or, or not? We're just a lot more aware and intentional of our patterns and our
1: habits, right? So aware Mm -hmm. of our Mm -hmm. patterns and intentional about our habits. So one of those habits is developing the first and most important habit is developing excellent communication skills. And I believe yes. taking ownership, not being a doormat, but taking ownership, expressing compassion and sparking creativity is some of the best thing you can do in compassion. You want to see an argument mm-hmm. end fast stop blaming and take ownership. Now for some people, if you take ownership all the time and they're like, yeah, you do that. And they never come back and say, and you know, I can take responsibility for this. That's a different issue. <laughs>
0: you're right. That's an yes, imbalance yes, yes. and something yeah,
1: yeah, else but ultimately yeah. you really do want to be cultivating that skill but not step by step you don't want to you know i'm taking this training so my beloved has to take this training they say it mm-hmm. takes two to tango but it actually only takes one to transform a habit
0: interesting yes okay so it is sort of like his response to your softness and i always say if, if we're if if the woman has way too much masculine energy, there is no room for his masculine energy. Yes. Um, so, right. So it sounds like when you softened and you brought, you know, you, you didn't stay locked out of your feminine energy, that's when he was able to become more masculine. And ha- and that probably felt really great and new to you. Oh, how he was being felt great to me, how yes. I was being felt great to me. I was
1: like, mm-hmm. Wow. I don't have to be, in many ways, I said I put down the clipboard because I used to be like this super ambitious, you know, I've, I've got to prove myself. And I, yes. I let go of having to prove anything and just started focusing on what made me happy. The reality was being a badass wasn't making me happy. <laughs> it was making me proud. Yes. <laughs> it right, was making me right. impressed, but it was not making me happy.
0: Yes. Wow. Now it's not mm-hmm. to say I'm
1: not ambitious now, but the things I'm ambitious about now are very different than what I was ambitious about 15 years ago.
0: Yes, that's true. And I think there there's a time and a place for that ambition, masculine energy, all of that. I mean, I know for sure um, I, I use a lot of that at work. I still enjoy and, and think there's a huge benefit to bringing the feminine energy to work too. So I, I have kind of both balancing but but there are moments when you're like you know with a contractor that you just want to punch that you know right? the masculine energy is there and yeah and then they don't like it but that's too bad not feeling so
1: yeah, nurturing yeah. right now
0: no not at all right yes. right well, but if I it's, could... it's important to it's important just to switch when you get home right yes. and remember that yeah and it sounds like you had sort of that badass one was, was everywhere, yeah, right? Yeah. She was at work, at home, everywhere. Okay. And, and if I can slip in, I know we're, we're going to be wrapping up soon, but if I could
1: slip in one more tool here, there's one, my, one of my other favorite tools is called Bibto. Both is better than one Bibto. Hmm. Right. And okay. I mentioned before looking for synergy in the chocolate and peanut butter. So taking things that might seem like oil and water and actually looking for and being committed to, how can you find where are they actually more like chocolate and peanut butter? Because when we feel different, we, we think who we are is, is it. That's normal. But people are so different the way they think and what their desires are and what turns them on. We're so different. So when yes. we can learn... To embrace each other's experience. It's funny because this tool came about, it was my husband and my like eighth wedding anniversary and it was storming really bad. And we decided mm-hmm. to go for a walk. We're like, this will be a fun adventure. And it's like raining sideways. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so I'm holding an umbrella out in front of me because the rain is coming sideways. It's coming out. And he's mm-hmm. holding the umbrella up. And he's like, hold the umbrellas up. And I'm like, hold them out, hold them out. And so all of a sudden we did both. I'm like, oh, this is much better. So we started saying both.
0: There you go. Bib- Bibto, both is better than one, right?
1: Yes, and, yeah, and so because I,
0: like a, a Reese's peanut butter cup is everything. Right? <laughs> so yeah, I get it. The, the two <laughs> Absolutely. together. And, yes, and so really mm-hmm.
1: that that and even in this case with my my badass and my more feminine nurturing side, I, they weren't in competition with each other. They could collaborate. They could create. You know, synergy is is defined as greater than the sum of its parts, right?
0: And, right, right. Mm-hmm.
1: And so there's something new and even better than if I got my way or Raj got his way. If we get our way, it's actually better than what either one of us could have come up with on our own. And that's not like necessarily that. an mm-hmm. absolute truth, but it is a it is um it, it is a filter with which we use habitually that if we are ever in any conflict, well, I don't want to go to the party. Well, I do want to go to the party. Well, what's the synergy of
0: that? So we'll just say, I call right. <laughs>
1: Yeah, And Bito <laughs> like is it. like, let's look for the synergy.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's a nice code word to use. Yes. Well, it has been incredible. I want to, um, I want to just mention that, you know, people come to you, I'm sure, do they come to you when they are like it's at the breaking point or before, because I, I feel like everybody waits for that breaking point. Um, Not quite everybody, but what, what most everybody.
1: Seen? At least seventy five percent of my clients come to me when they're in what I call the ditch, right? The yeah, the right, default right. ditch. You were, you know, you you found yourself. You like look around one day and be like, "How the hell did we get here? I can't stand to look at you." Yes,
0: <laughs> right, right, right. But it probably is so much better for the, you know, just to let those listening to know that, you know, they might just have, yeah, it might just be that the dynamic isn't quite right. It needs a little fine tuning, et cetera. You can help with that as well, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. Or they're focusing just on the wrong thing because they're focusing on their problems. And what happens when you do that, we need to talk, you know, again, it's that fingernails on the chalkboard and people contract. Yes. And they can't hear you. Just think of a camera aperture with, you know, with light trying to get in. If a camera aperture closes, it doesn't matter. You're not going to get the light in. Right. And so you want to think about that with each other is what is our aperture of opening of being able to hear from each other and, you know, receive each other's feedback. Because if you're making each other wrong and blaming, it just shuts people down. So I do have some really specific processes. Even if people are so angry, they're not even ready to communicate with their partner yet. I've, I've got a process called venting for victory where I really help you get the uglies out and I have you name oh. call and <laughs> do all of that. And, but at the end, I help you translate it into an empowered and empowering context so that you can actually yes. now go and talk about this issue. But I strongly encourage people not to talk about issues until they can get to a place of ownership and being empowered mm-hmm. and empowering. Because otherwise, I call it human, even justified. Just not helpful.
0: Yes. (laughs) I agree. I agree. And there are times that you just need a minute. You need a minute to... And that minute might be a day. I don't know. But... Or a few hours to just... Get yourself to a better place so that you can be productive in that.
1: Well, now you may need a minute, but just keep in mind, you're most likely chose chose a partner that's the opposite. So usually the engulfed person, like the, that's like Raj is like, oh my gosh, you're so intense right now. I can't even think straight. My head's going to explode. I need some time to think about this on my own. Whereas I'm what yes. they, you know, call the hurricane, right? That's the turtle, right? Then the hurricane is the one, you know, the abandoned one is like, if you cared, you how could you even work? How could you sleep? We've got to handle this right now, <laughs> right? That's, yes, that's more that like is me. so
0: true. Mm-hmm, interesting. <laughs> so I love had it. To
1: learn, I've had to learn and to respect to give him his space. And he's had to learn mm-hmm. to assure me that we will come back to this. We have a soothing yes. mantra where now he says, if he can't talk about it, he says, this is a dark moment but it's only a moment and we're going to get through it together. I need five minutes. I need 30 minutes, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. it is. And then he tells Mm -hmm. me how much time he needs, but he assures me because he cares about me and he knows I'm going to have my abandonment issues up. Right.
0: Yes. Yeah. Interesting. Very. Int- well, this has been such a joy, and s- not just a joy only though, because it's been so informative. Really, I've loved having you. If our listeners, some of the chicks out there, want to get a hold of you or want to talk directly to you, what's the best way for them?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I am going to have a free gift for your audience. Uh, so if they go to for better dot love forward slash chicks. Then uh, they can check out all of our offerings. I'll have a free masterclass and playbook for them on how to do an assessment of like a kind of a state of your union. I call it the relationship report card. Oh, nice. And we'll be doing a live masterclass of that in December. So they can also come and attend that. So they can check that out there. Now, if I like to design all my work to give a lot of things away for free and do a lot of things high end. So I even do like, I have a brand called Lux Love and I do luxury retreats and um, I do individual retreats just for couples. Let's say the creating a vision, if you want to just over three days, we'll meet at an Airbnb and create a vision. But if someone wants to work with me with the coaching, you can just go to forbetter.love forward slash chicks and check out that free gift and just send me a message Uh, or you can reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram and we'll, and we'll connect.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. I, that's so great. Because I know sometimes a couple does not know where to turn. And, um, and there's a fear that if they do turn to someone, they're just going to dismantle that marriage. And, and yeah. that may, may not be what they want. Or one person yeah, wants, wants to
1: get some help and the other person doesn't. I'm really good in that yes. scenario. Because people are relieved that when they come to work with me, I operate in what I call a dig-free zone. There is no blaming, shaming, or complaining. If you need to do that, you could do it, but with me only, and then I'm going to help you work through uh, it. But you're not going to get emotional nice. vomit on each other, and then just have a you know somebody saying what I hear you saying is you're an asshole.
0: You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> did all oh wrong. my goodness! And if you just do it my way, yeah. everything would be fine, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh goodness, yeah. No, it's it's uh, it takes work, and it takes it takes your attention to cultivate. A great relationship. I like yeah. to say your
1: intention, your attention, and action spread out over time, takes it out of the realm of work and into the realm of habit and play.
0: That's true. Yeah, because I did just say work, didn't I? Yeah. So you're yeah, well, talking yes. I, and I think it. that's better. It is because it, it just is. Yeah. Well, but we, then you said intention. That, but I like that. You said intention yes, too. You that's said work true. and intention because
1: that is the key. Yeah once you have the intention, you kind of start feeling like a hypocrite if you don't take the action. So if you just start right. with that intention and yes, reach out for help, there's tons of free resources. If you need personalized support and that works in your budget, then by all means, reach out and um, uh, I'll blow wind in the sails of, of what you, the two of you want together.
0: Perfect. Yeah. It is sort of more like um, tending to your garden. Absolutely. And, and, Right. And uh, doing that is usually a hobby or habit. It's not necessarily work. What's a great but, essay? Thank um, you. Um,
1: uh, As that. a man thinketh, I think is the um, tend to your garden or weeds will grow
0: right yes that is then the weeds Mm -hmm. will grow so yes tend to your garden as a habit (laughs) (laughs) yes do some gardening um thank you so much gabby it has been an absolute pleasure to have you
1: oh thank you so much karen and to all the chicks listening it's a delight to be here